Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to our latest Housing Matters Podcast. This is Oscar Way, along with Jordan. Hello, everyone. Hi. I know, Jordan, you missed last um, episode. Um, I know. I had to go out of the office and do a talk, so I wasn't here, but uh, I did catch it on the on the listen back, and you guys did an awesome job. So Cool. Thank you. Selma was a very good get, so we're lucky to, to have her on the podcast. Thank you. Well, I you know I kind of had to pull it through, and I had to pull you know someone like Selma to 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 come to the office, and you know you heard you heard it last time. Yeah, she is you know she focuses on the, the Bay Area. Yeah. So I feel like you know I'm chipping people you know in the Southern California if we don't talk about the Southern California and other parts of California. So plus I live here, so I'm looking forward to having you educate me. Right. Well, well, me the same too. I'm sure you have. <laughs> you went to a talk, and you went to a couple other talks um, in the last few weeks too. So I'm sure you. Uh, on, in addition to what you have talked about, you probably have heard about what other people, uh, realtors, practitioners, uh, say about their uh, market. So, let's talk about the Southern California market. Definitely. Um, now you know we only have we only, so far we have only released one month of data, and we will be releasing February data very soon. Uh, we also have seen some pending sales data, so we have a, a, little, a little bit of idea. At least um, on how we're starting out the year, for sure. Right, yeah. right. I'm, I'm glad that you're saying that because, of course, um, we did have a decent uh, first month of the year. Yeah, definitely. We got off to a, a pretty good start. Sales were up. Um, you know, they were up. 4.4%? Yeah, 4.4% statewide, right? And most right. of that was here in Southern California. Very true. And um, I know in the Bay Area, as we mentioned last time, uh, last episode, Bay Area is a little weak. So a lot of the sales, as you said, in the Bay, in the Southern California, as well as maybe in Central Valley. Um, but what we want to look, look at, of course, is to see whether that trend is going to prolong uh, for the rest of the year. I know we talked about last year, at the end of last year, because people might be uh, jumping in because interest rate was still low. Right. Um, it sort of affects sales and maybe at prices as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of linger on in the first month of the year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the that's the big concern is that the that the kind of growth of the strength that we saw in January um, isn't necessarily indicative of this big resurgence in the housing market. It might be that kind of temporal shift where we were pulling, you know, pulling forward some of those sales that might have happened during the first quarter of 2016. But people were, you know, had that extra motivation to get into the market. And like you said, when you look at the supply numbers, I mean, even here in Southern California, which we're not as tight mm-hmm. as what you see in San Francisco. Um, but we're still, you know, in the low three percent or three month right. range, depending on what market. Obviously, in Southern California, um, we're looking at. But you know, the point being is that supply is no picnic in Southern California here. And so, yes, the economy is getting better. People think rates are going to go up, and that gives them, you know, a motivation to want to get into a, you know, into a, a, you know, lock a rate basically at this point in time. But if there's no homes. You know, available for folks to buy, then it begs the question of you know whether we're going to be able to maintain that four point four percent or even you know something you know south of that right. going forward. 
Well, let me throw some numbers uh, out, you know, so that we can kind of play with. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the la- of the at the end of last year, Southern California, when compared to I shouldn't say at the end of last year, um, for 2016, when compared to 2015, right. SoCal was you know somewhat consistent with uh, the state as a whole. I think it went uh, uh, grew grew by about two percent. Gotcha. Roughly about two percent. Um, the beginning of this year, 2017, I think it kind of slowed down a little bit. Uh, if you look at the state as a whole, it shows a, a slight dip. But I know at, for individual county, it might be a little different. And um, let's talk about some of the individual counties' number. Sure. Um, I said South SoCal, you know, increased by about two percent. Uh, but um, in the Inland Valley, I know we have quite a bit of demand. Right. Um, uh, L.A., Orange County, and San Diego, of course, those are some of the big counties. But uh, for L.A. County, I know you have some numbers that you may, or uh, individual county, you might have some numbers that, want, that you want to show. Yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, Southern California still managed to have a decent year last year. Um, I think, you know, most of our major markets, with the exception of Ventura, posted a gain um, in 2016. L.A. was you know, up by less than 1%. Orange County was up by about 1.2% for the entire year. Uh Um, You know, San Diego did a little bit better, 2.2. But really most of the growth was driven by the Inland Empire in general, and in particular, Riverside County. In fact, um, you know, I mentioned every part of Southern California managed to post more sales last year than the year before. But Riverside was the only one that grew actually at a faster rate, right? So in 2015, um, Riverside actually put up a pretty good number there as well, grew by about 5.4% in terms of closed sales. Uh Um, Last year, they actually bested that going up to about 6.2% growth in terms of closed sales. so um, not only is it continuing to grow, it actually seems like it's gaining some steam in Riverside mm-hmm. County. Whereas if you look at the rest of Southern California, uh, where I think the, the biggest kind of factor there is that market's a lot less affordable in L.A., Orange County, and San Diego, um, and Ventura for that matter. Uh, and that, those are all markets where you saw sales growth slow. So we still posted a few more sales than the year before, but we're definitely decelerating um, in those markets, whereas the Inland Empire seems to be gaining some momentum. Yeah, I mean, of course, we'll talk about supply in a minute. Um, so in terms, of supp- in terms of sales, of course, it has a lot to do with demand, supply and demand. Now, demand-wise, I think we've talked about this before. At the state level, there's no question that we have some demand. As far as household growth, I think in 2017, it grew 1.7, and then uh, we continue to grow uh, at 1.1 million in, uh, in 2016. So as far as demand is concerned, I don't think we need to be worried about uh, demand. It's a matter of supply and affordability. Yeah, definitely, which are really two sides uh, of the same coin. But, you know, I still tend to be optimistic about um, the Inland Empire because not only does it have kind of the the acceleration in sales and the affordability going forward as well, but its economy, mm-hmm. um, its actual local economy is starting to do really well. So the Inland Empire was, you know, one of the hardest hit parts of the entire state by the housing downturn. Um, lost jobs at a disproportionate rate compared to some of the you know coastal metropolitan areas and it took a while for the recovery to actually take root in the inland empire la san francisco orange county san diego um, you know most of the bay area got off to a pretty early start and led the charge in terms of their recovery um, inland empire not so much but if you fast forward to last year um, inland empire actually is beating the statewide average just in terms of overall growth economically they put up a three percent job growth number in 2016 uh-huh. um, whereas the state only grew by two percent 
and you know LA and San Diego grew by I think a little bit less than that so um, really is starting to hit its stride both in terms of having the affordability going for it but also just having um, an economy that seems to be humming as well yeah and it seems like uh I mean, I'm glad that you brought up, you know, the economic growth. I mean, the, all the numbers that you mentioned, it seems pretty decent. You know, some beating the uh, the state as a whole, uh, some may not. But mo- in general, I think Southern California is doing pretty well, a good job. Compared to Bay Area, that may not necessarily be, you know, as strong, but we're still pretty decent. Yeah. And I'm glad that you also mentioned about, you know, different counties, different areas growing at a different pace. Right. Yeah, as we discussed before, Riverside, San Bernardino, they're definitely, you know, in maybe not... Uh, you know, growing as fast a couple of years ago or three, four years ago, but right. still, it looks like it's picking up some steam. And, you know, Riverside, San Bernardino, those are areas where we are uh, have a lot of logistics as far as uh, trade goes, import, export. Definitely. Um, and it seems like we are going, to, we're getting some uh, 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 international trade traffic there. Amazon, for example, um, re- online retail, it's boom, it has been booming. So we are seeing some job growth. I remember, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I remember uh, Amazon is building some uh, warehouse facilities in uh, Ontario. Yeah, definitely. They're doing some logistics centers where they're basically going to be fulfilling kind of you know e-commerce type uh consumer activity right there out of the Inland Empire. And so, um, you know, to the extent that we continue to see you know, market share get gobbled up by online sales versus just brick and mortar retailers. I think that right. plays right to the strengths of the Inland Empire. I just actually went out to Joshua Tree um, this last right. week for uh, a talk to the local association out there and, you know, drove right through Moreno Valley and man, you can't drive, you know, three <laughs> exits without seeing another, you know, a couple hundred thousand square foot distribution facility. So we talk about trade all the time in terms of when we do the big kind of macro overviews and things like that. But I always remind folks, you know, especially in the Inland, Inland Empire that this isn't just a big kind of, you know, nerdy econ topic that you and I can sit around and talk about in our office. But, um, you know, this is something that actually affects housing demand right here in our backyard. Right, definitely. Yeah. I mean, of course, uh, and their prices, their home prices, which we'll talk about very soon, um, are still very decent compared to um, L.A., Orange County, San Diego. Yeah, definitely. And I think, again, that's one of their um, big claims to fame right now and maybe why you're seeing the the growth and activity out there that maybe you aren't seeing in some of these coastal markets is just that, you know, A, its economy is doing well, and B, it's, you know, attracting folks with home prices that aren't, you know, too exorbitant. Right. And let me throw out a couple more numbers or just some numbers um, to kind of reiterate the fact that the economic growth is pretty um, decent in Southern California. Uh, I, I looked at some of the numbers, uh, the future, the forecast for 2017, mm-hmm. uh, based on some of the uh, statistics from LEDC, from some other areas. It looks like for Southern California, we're, you know, it's safe to say for all counties, it's growing at at least two percent, three percent, even three percent, three and a half percent for Orange County, for example, uh-huh. for 2017. LA close to three percent, two point seven percent. But and for Riverside, actually, it's pretty decent, as you said. I think it's growing at three point six, three point five, three point six percent. Yeah. Um, and San Bernardino maybe a little bit slower, but all in all, I think Southern California will be doing a pretty good job in terms of twenty seventeen as far as economic growth is concerned. And of course, this is based on a you know current baseline scenario. No, we we're not going to talk too much about you know the the Newman administration economics. But if there is anything that happens to trade, 
uh, international trade specifically, of course, that's going to affect the uh, um, economic growth in Southern California as well as, of course, in Inland Empire. Yeah, definitely. I mean, trade is a local issue. You know, it's a global issue. But for us, um, what we care about is how many containers are coming in and out of those ports every year. Um, you know, those all get loaded up onto trucks and trains and for the most part end up somewhere, you know, in the Inland Empire um, before they get kind of distributed out to the Walmarts and Target to the world throughout the rest of the, you know, the rest of the nation. So, um, again, it is a nerdy econ topic, but it's right. something that matters for realtors here in Southern California as well. Definitely. So now let's turn our attention to, before we don't talk about supply, let's take a look at some of the price stuff in southern california do you want to break the bad news or should i <laughs> well okay well let me let me do this let me put it this way make it a little bit easier now bay we're definitely not as high as bay area bay area median price is what 1.3 million in, south, in san francisco yep we're definitely not as bad no definitely and i think that you know represents a competitive edge to the extent that you know the the kind of economic developers here in southern california can go out there and Say, hey, look at the cost of our office space and the cost of our housing, and you don't have to, you know, spend an arm and a leg paying your employees to offer them a decent quality of life. That could potentially, you know, help us attract some of those folks down here. But um, in general, I think, you know, affordability, despite the fact that we're not as bad as up there, is still um, no picnic here either. True. I thought I was just throwing out San Francisco to make things look a little easier. Yeah, definitely. But and, of course, and we're not as bad as them, but. But we know that, you know, for last year, obviously, we had a uh, mid-single-digit uh, growth. And uh, in 2017, we do expect a st for the state level as well as at the Southern California level continue to grow at a single-digit level. So, um, and I have, to, I have to admit, you know, that single-digit level is not going to be 1% or 2%. It's probably going to be 4 or 5%. For homeowners, that's not necessarily a bad news. But for people who the wage growth is not as high as a 4 or 5%, that might not necessarily bolt very well as far as um, the perspective of affordability. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, that's going to be the biggest barrier, right, is that homes are already, you know, unaffordable. In California statewide, I think only 31% of households can afford that median-priced home, which is already you know, pretty abysmal by national standards where it's close to 60%. Uh -huh. um, but here in LA, Orange County, I mean, it's even worse than that. And so, um, you know, you talk about home prices going up 5% when we see wages going up something like two to three, maybe 4%, uh -huh. you're talking about people becoming ultimately worse off. And that's, you know, the net effect of that. And we're already a place where less than a third of households can, can become homeowners um, at that median priced home. And, and you're talking about things getting even worse. And then on top of that, I think we got rising rates too, right? True. We expect Very those true. rates to continue to go up and that's going to further erode. I mean, even if you know prices stayed flat, if interest rates go up, that takes a big chunk out. So when you combine prices going up and interest rates going up, that's kind of the double whammy in terms of you know hurting affordability. Exactly, and I'll look. I'll, I'll, we'll share some numbers on you know the monthly payment and things like that very shortly. Uh, but I want to emphasize a, a bit more on. I said Southern California, it's going to grow at around mid single digit, um, but of course it varies between counties. For LA counties, Orange County, it may show like a five percent, six percent increase. But Riverside, you know, based on if you just take a look at our very first uh, month of uh, um, price change, Riverside jumped out significantly for. Uh, on a year-to-year -year basis, yeah. it's jumped, what, 9%. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the, the excess demand piece coming in, right? Because folks are getting priced out of these expensive coastal markets um, and you're getting kind of an extra bump on top of the fact that the economy is doing okay. But you've also got this influx of people who wanted to be able to buy in Orange County or LA by their job, um, but just couldn't find anything that they could afford or right. that met their you know standards and affordability. That's kind of a tough little intersection that you have to find uh, and end up pouring into Riverside, pumping up their prices. Right. So it's safe to say, you know, for Riverside, maybe even for San Bernardino, we'll probably will see uh, a little bit more increase compared to L.A., Orange County and uh, San Diego. Of course, those counties, L.A., Orange County and San Diego, they do have a much higher price. Than they have a much higher price and I think they have a lot less headroom for additional growth. I mean, if you look at prices now, you know, or in 2016 compared to where they were at the peak of the market back in 2005-06 time frame, um, you know, in the Inland Empire, I think prices are still something about on the order of about 18% uh-huh. below where they were at those pre-recession peaks. So, you know, we can still grow another 5-6% and we're still not going to even be back to where we were in True. 2005. But if you look at a market like Orange County where they're already butting up against those all-time high prices that they set during the bubble, you know, then another 5 or 6% increase in home prices in those markets means that we're, you know, pushing new all-time highs. And, and again, affordability is already an issue. True, definitely. And and we know that, you know, for uh, Orange County, it's growing at a faster rate than L.A. and San Diego. So it's very likely that we will probably see some increase in home prices. Now, yeah. I don't want to neglect Ventura, but it looks like uh, when we look at some of the Ventura price, it seems like Ventura, as far as sales and price are concerned, it seems to be leveling off a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so it seems to, I think it's safe to say that I think Ventura might be, as far as price is concerned, probably still could edge up out a little game and maybe less than some of the other counties in Southern California yeah they tend to have a more stable market in general they have you know a bigger cohort I think on the retiree front uh-huh. they also have a pretty um, you know decent contingent of vacation second homes and things like that so um, I wouldn't be surprised to see less turnover and just less activity in general. True. I'm not to say that Ventura County is you know at a very um, decent in terms of affordability it is at 600,000 ish um, so you know it's not a, a, at a very uh, low price level either yeah so now we we spent a little bit of time of talking about um, home prices and sa- sales I know we didn't spend too much time on out migration and this is a topic that we talk about every now and then um, and we at we mentioned about out migration um, Yes, we do have more jobs in L.A. or Orange County, but people are finding it more affordable in Riverside, San Bernardino. So I know you spent some time on um, studying about migration. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, you know, and I think the proof is really in the pudding. I mean, A, point number one is when you look at the home ownership rates, we've dropped below 50% in the combined L.A. Orange County markets. So we're now a majority renter um, area. When you look at home ownership in the Inland Empire, it's actually popped up a bit uh-huh. in recent years. And I think that really is a a migration oriented story. I don't want to discount the fact that folks have um, made the move into home ownership and that they're more affordable. But I think we don't want to get too excited about the rising home ownership rate in the Inland Empire because I think a you know a big chunk of that is folks who wanted to buy in LA Orange County moved over into Riverside or San Bernardino where they could actually afford to buy and that actually pumped up 
the right. home ownership numbers. I don't necessarily think it's the case that you know previous Inland Empire residents are all of a sudden finding it much much more easy um, to become a homeowner. And so, although we welcome any jumps in home ownership, um, you know it's it's hard to put too much stock into that because when you you know, again when you pull the migration data and look at a county like Los Angeles where affordability has gotten worse and worse over the last couple of years, um, you know a we've had a lot of out migration. You know a couple. Um, you know, several tens of thousands of people just over the last couple of years have migrated out. And, and when you look at where they're going, I think it really does underscore how this is more than anything else a housing issue. We have, you know, regulatory concerns and issues with our business climate, and I don't want to, you know, downplay any of those issues. But when you look at where folks are going, three quarters of the people who left LA went to either the Inland Empire, Arizona, or Nevada, or Texas, right? And so those right. were the top four destinations. Three out of every four people went to one of those four places from LA. And those aren't areas where the labor market is particularly booming and they're creating, I mean, California is in the top five in terms of fastest growing states for creating jobs. It's doing better than most of those other places at this point in time. So they're not going for the jobs. Those are places where the housing is just much, much more affordable. And I think that you know the, the proof is in the pudding. When you look at the people who moved from LA to the Inland Empire, most of those people still maintain jobs along the coast. So they're, again, not going out there for the economy. They're going out there for the affordable housing. And I think that's what's driving um, you know, the transaction growth out there in the Inland Empire. Um, and it's also what's driving disproportionate price growth. It's just that you're pumping up demand in these markets because they're the places where people can still uh, become homeowners. Right. And it's similar to a, uh, the situation that we probably have mentioned in the past about people in the Bay Area moving to the peripheral areas. And it's very, very true. You know, those who can afford, who cannot afford to buy in um, the more expensive area like LA, Orange County, or San Diego, they move their money, take their money to Riverside, San Bernardino, and that's why it push up home prices. Um, but it also caused concern for people who originally stay in uh, Riverside, San Bernardino. Yeah, I mean, um, people are getting priced out. I mean, you know, not to keep. Uh advertising my talk in Joshua Tree, but I went out to the <laughs> Joshua Tree Association this week and shout out you know, to the Joshua Tree. Exactly. I mentioned that Riverside actually, you know, grew much faster than the state overall. I think six point two percent last year versus one point seven percent statewide. But out in Joshua Tree, which is like the most affordable part of one of our most affordable parts of the state, uh -huh. um, sales out there were up by double digits. So I think, you know, it's not a coincidence that the more affordable market the better they're doing in terms of generating sales activity. People want to be homeowners. We see that consistently in every Definitely. survey we do. It's part of the American dream. People want to buy. They want to accumulate wealth and equity, um, but they just can't afford it. And so I think, you know, as you go further down the price scale, you see, you know, areas doing better and better. Yeah, and, and I think you mentioned to me what driving from here to Joshua Tree is, what, three hours, two hours? It took me three hours in traffic, so. And, of course, um, as far as commuting is concerned, that's probably not an option for you. Yeah, definitely. You know, <laughs> so, I mean, until we get those automated vehicles going, but uh, you know, I think that's not the only option. You're you're just seeing a, a shuffling further east, where you know maybe for the folks who work in you know Pomona, Chino Hills, then uh -huh. maybe that's less of a of an obstacle. If you work in Riverside and you just got priced out of Riverside because all these Boeing engineers came and priced you out of the market, maybe you go further east into Moreno Valley or the Palm Desert area um, and commute. To Riverside and so I think that line 
of where things are affordable is going to continue to to kind of butt up against the Arizona Nevada borders as time goes on, right? Because you can only be an overflow for expensive areas for so long until you yourself become an expensive area. And we know that as far as household growth and household formation is concerned, we're, we will continue to, at least when you look at the state level, we will continue to see the state level continue to grow. Um, so as far as population, as far as household growth is concerned, even though it might be slowing down, it may not necessarily, it's not going to stop. So that is going to be, uh, supply is going to be an issue. Now before we turn to supply, you mentioned earlier about um, interest rate. Yes, interest rate is going to go up. Interest rate, as we, it may even go up in the next uh, Fed meeting, uh, you know, from what the uh, Fed chairman, uh, Janet Yellen, Yeah, it's uh, seems a, more implied. than 50% have gone up in March now, right? So more than a 50% right. chance of it increasing. So, so we, we pre- previously predicted maybe 50 to 75 basis point. Um, it for the seems year. like for the year, right? For the year, sorry. Um, so it seems like seventy-five basis point is very, very likely. Um, of course, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. You know, people are pumped up about stock market. Um, whether that is real or not, we'll talk about that some other time. Yeah. Um, but twenty-five basis point, uh, it seems like it's very reachable in the next couple months or so. And we did some analysis and on uh, monthly uh, premium and also minimum income requirement. If we were to have an interest rate increase, let's say 25 to 50 basis point, it's going to affect people depending on where they're, uh, how what much price category price they're buying. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for example, just to give an idea, in LA, if you know interest rate goes up from four percent to four and a half percent, that means people might have to pay about 120 bucks more every month. Yeah. Um, that means what? That means probably they need about four to five thousand more every year. Um, it's four to five percent, four to five thousand more every year. Let's say if you have uh, a, in order to buy a median price home with a twenty percent down, you have to uh, the four percent. You have to have a six figure income. Right. Thousand. Yeah. So that means you know you need uh, and uh, five thousand. You need a five percent increase in your in your inter- in your wage growth. Yeah, so hopefully your boss is feeling generous <laughs> this year. Well, that 5% is actually hard to attain. I don't think that is easy to get. No, and I think it just underscores why we think affordability is going to is going to go bad because unfortunately we just don't see um, you know incomes growing enough to offset both the increase in rates and the increase in prices, right? I mean, it's like I said, it's kind of the double whammy that's really going to uh, end up really eating into affordability, which again is already pretty abysmal in California. Right, and of course, all these is because of supply. You know, now let's talk about supply. I know there are two folds for supply. Supply could be just, you know, existing homes. Uh, It could be also new constructions. Um, You mentioned earlier about supply, um, uh, the uh, the current supply level, months of uh, inventory. Uh, at the state level, it's about 3.7 months, 3.5, 3.7 months. Of course, in certain areas, it's actually worse. Yeah. Um, and it's not just about – It's well, part of it is because of – I always say you know, it might have something to do with demographic change. You know, people are getting older. They may not necessarily want to move. But there are also reasons behind why people not want to move. We mentioned that before. Maybe we can you know just briefly talk about it. Um, something about – okay, there are – Many different reasons. Yeah. Well, when interest rate goes up, you know, people who locked in with low interest rate, they don't necessarily want to move. Yeah, exactly. Even if you have a boatload of equity, you're going to take a big knock. Right. What about capital gain? Capital gains, I think, is a big one, right? It's, it's not as big of a factor in the rest of the United States, but it's not unthinkable that folks have, you know, single 
individual could have two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth right. of home equity in a market where, you know, even as early as like two thousand, we were in you know below five hundred thousand. We were in the two hundred to three hundred thousand range, depending on where you're looking. You know, now we have median prices that are pretty much double that. It's you know. It's not hard to imagine that people are really facing a pretty strong disincentive, right? If you have, you know, five hundred thousand dollars worth of, you know, capital gains, and you're going to pay, you know, fifteen percent tax on that, you're talking about giving up a significant chunk of of money that you would otherwise Very make, true. and it gives you a pretty strong incentive to just keep that money in the house. Maybe you do a HELOC or remodel. We know that people spent more money remodeling right, last year right, than they true. ever have in history, and I think that's also indicative of the fact that folks just don't want to move, whether it's because of their capital gains, because they're sitting on you know really low property taxes, maybe that's they right, yeah. own their homes since the 80s and have a great Prop 13 tax basis that they don't want to give up. Um, you know, and I think also it's just a preference thing. I mean, I kind of always joke with my father-in-law, but, you know, I say, hey, you don't need your 3,000 square foot house anymore. Your kids have moved out, you know, and, and, you know, but I like my neighborhood and things like that. And I think that's also, it's just, you're seeing preference for folks who've been in one place for a long time, like their neighbors, like their neighborhood, enjoy their true. house. Um, and so I think there's both a combination of policy oriented incentives to say Prop 13 capital gains. Um, but also I think folks are just moving less across the board, even in places outside of California where Prop 13 isn't an issue and where folks aren't butting up against, you know, potential capital gains, you still see folks moving less. And so I think there's, you know, something to be said for that as well. Right. I mean, as I said, you know, because, I mean, to be honest, you know, who would want to pack up everything and clean up the house and move if they don't have to, right? And plus all those reasons that we mentioned. So um, now... Let's turn our attention to new constructions. Sure. New constructions is also an issue. People are not putting up their house on the market, but what about new constructions? New constructions is an issue um, in a lot of areas. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would argue that it's the issue. You know, if you look at LA as an example, um, which I think is a relevant one given that Measure S is up on the ballot in right. um, a couple of days here. We're recording this, you know, the week before the, the countywide elections here in Los Angeles County. But I mean, I think, you know, the underbuilding is the problem in California and also in Southern California. So if you just look at, you know, how many new jobs we're creating, which is kind of a decent proxy for where, you know, we need to be building homes uh -huh. in order to meet that, you know, housing demand. Um, what you can see is that we added just in LA County alone since 2010, between 2010 and 2016, um, you know, I'm showing that we added, you know, a little bit over 430,000 jobs during that time period. Uh, and at the same time, we only permitted about about 100,000 new units, so right? And so a lot fewer units than the number of jobs yeah. created. But I also think this is an issue that's in play, not just in, in Los Angeles, but I think uh, it's also a concern even in the Inland Empire, right? Because even right. there, um, they've also, you know, like I said, economy's been picking up steam. They created about 330 or 235,000 jobs over the, that same six-year period and only permitted, um, you know, less than 50,000 new units. So they're actually really? even further behind the curve um, even than LA. And so, you know, it's not to say that... Um, they don't have affordability going, but my question is how long can you remain um, an affordable overflow market when you're yourself kind of consistently underbuilding given the demand that you're seeing? True. Now, um, I you throw in some numbers over a period of time. I'm going to throw in a couple more numbers sure. just for the short-term period. Um, I know 
uh, when we compare it to previous year, uh, you, you're right. Um, L.A., Riverside, San Bernardino, you know, those areas are underbuilding. Like L.A., for example, compared to 2015, 2016 actually dropped by about 11% in terms of permits issued. Wow. So, um, and of course, I think we we live in L.A. We know that, you know, in L.A., down, a lot of... Uh, Buildings could be uh, in downtown LA, so it so it could be you know more like condo units, townhomes units. There are a lot of multifamily units, but we're still showing a, a, a drop of eleven percent for LA. For Riverside, uh, it's just edged up or inched up just a little bit by 07 percent in two thousand and sixteen in terms of units uh, permits. San Bernardino actually dropped slightly compared to the previous year, about about four percent, three point eight percent or so. Uh, Orange County was surprisingly a little bit up, yeah. But of course, uh, they they developers probably want to build in all Orange County because it's expensive. Sure. Um, so yes, you're right. In the supply conditions, it's not gonna have, it's not it's probably gonna prolong, um, and it's probably not gonna be uh, a, a very easy in the next few years. Yeah, and I mean, even if we do get our act together and magically start building an adequate amount of housing, um, we're facing down a, a multi-decade long you know, accumulation of sure, underbuilding. Sure. Um, so even if, like I said, we get our act together, this is a problem that's been, you know, three decades in the making. And, you know, A, we don't seem to be showing any signs of really getting our act together on the building front. But B, even if we did, it's going to take a long time um, to bend that cost curve on price appreciation because we just have such a huge deficit of housing. And you mentioned, uh, I think LA, we're, sh we're short just between that period of time, we were short about 300,000 units or so. Right, and that's how over long, a six-year period. So. Yeah, how long is it going to take to make it, even if we double what we have right now, how long is it going to take? At least, what, seven, eight years in order to pick up, maybe even longer? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it depends on how far back you're trying to rectify the situation, but I think at this point, what we should be doing is being supportive of new construction, new supply coming online, because that's what's going to a help maintain affordability, and b help to generate some you know fluidity in the markets, which is good for realtors because then we're going to have more transactions to work on. Right. So try. Well, let's kind of wrap it up. So I think um, you know in terms of good news, it looks like you know the supply constraint probably will lead to uh, you know some continuing increase in home prices for homeowners and maybe sellers. You know it might be a good thing. Yeah, to the extent that you can get some deals closed, they'll probably close at higher prices, and you'll have a decent year commission-wise. Right. Uh, then, but but that's going to be the challenge, right? Is because it's the market's going to be relatively flat, and so I think members are going to have to be out there kind of. Um, making every effort to just capture market share. It's not going to be a, the case where just um, a rising market and this whole wave of growing transaction volume um, is going to put business right in their lap. They're going to have to go out. Market's pretty right. flat. You're going to have to fight for those deals. And also on top of that, of course, we talked about affordability. Not that affordable. Sales, sales price increase will lead to, no doubt, you know, lead to affordability issue. But we have to, and we have to be concerned about affordability issue because it affects first-time buyers. It affects, you know, many people want a potential home buyers who want to go into the market um, and interest rate is not going to go down as we said so um, it's going to be ha we're going to have some headwinds um, in the upcoming year and the next year or so yeah so now it's a pretty scary time but i think that we've uh, made a good start and the economy is doing well and from a historical perspective rates are still low so i think there's still um, room for for optimism but i think it's just also a time for realism and yes. pragmatism about you know the fact that it's not going to be easy 
Yeah, and of course, CR is definitely going to fight and you know try to look at some of those regulations and talk to the government um, and see what we can do as far as increasing supply. Yep, definitely. Okay.